Well, um, I'm sure many of you uh, maybe have gone on vacation, coming back from vacation, or preparing to go to vacation, uh, and it's good to see everybody that is here here, but we're missing quite a few people. And when we miss people, it, it has an impact on our service, I think. Uh, I think it has an impact on our church when people are missing. Uh, one of the things that uh, Lori and I did is we spent some time with our family. I remember our family, we started out with just Lori and I, you know. We were young, 22, 21. And uh, we didn't realize our family was going to expand as it has. I mean, look at, uh, it's, it's quite large, but it's not as large as some families. I, I have friends that have so many more children and so many more grandchildren. But we had uh, 14 down at the Jersey Shore together for one week, uh, minus the dog. There is a dog in here. Uh, this is the newest, I, I call, they say this is my grand dog. You know, they even have that, that title, grandchildren, grand dog. And, um, but you know, the thing is, <clears throat> when we were first <coughs> married, we had our first son. Oh, we loved him so much. And then uh, Lori got pregnant, and we were expecting our second. We wondered, you know, do I have enough capacity to love another child? Of course you do. And then the third child came, and we said, man, can, do we have the capacity or the strength to take care of three? And yes, we did. God gave us the capacity to do that. And then the grandchildren started coming, and it was one and then two. And then we said, what are we going to do when there's three? You know, we're not, how are we going to take care of them? That four and five and six. And the, but you know what? Each one, God gave us the capacity to love and to care for them. And that's the same way when our children got married, we love their spouses and we, uh, we, we treat them just like they are our own children. And we pray for them and take care of them. See, God can always expand the capacity of your love. And we see that within a family, within an earthly family. And today I want to talk about the church as a family. Because we are a family. We are a spiritual family. And uh, God has called us into this family. Uh, you know, this idea of capacity to love, women get this, you know, because I think they give birth, you know, so it's part of them, you know. For men, it's a little bit harder for us to catch up to the women, but we get there eventually. We do get there eventually. But this whole idea of capacity to love and love people that God has brought into our church is so important. And I believe that God gives the metaphors to us of church as being a family for that very reason. Because he's our father, we are his children, and we're supposed to take care of each other. And uh, so today I want to talk about the church as a, as a family and as the body of Christ. And we could look at a lot of different passages today. There's a lot of different metaphors that talk about the family uh, of, of God or the church of God. There's this idea of the bride of Christ. There's a building. It's compared to a building. The church is compared to a temple, a flock, a field, a kingdom, an army, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a living stones fitted together. There are so many metaphors in the Bible of the church because God values the church. It is so important to him. Jesus died to create the church because that's his bride. That's whom he loves. He loves each one of us. But together, we make up this household of believers. And it's interesting that it can be people from all different 
walks of life, all different ages. You could have, you know, Chinese and Latino and Asian and Caucasian, African American, and they're all placed in a household of faith, and we all have to get along together. It's, and it's different ages, too. You have young, you have babies, you have infants. We have children and teens and young adults and there's married and there's singled and there's widowed and there's divorced and there's those that are remarried and there's all this combination of people and God yet still calls us a family. You know, and the people don't really have to be your immediate family. You know, you know we connect, I connect very easily with my children and with my grandchildren. But also, there's sometimes when we, we don't connect, you know. Sometimes in families, there's a rift, you know. We, we, we kind of uh, can bother each other. But today, I want to look at the family of God and what does that mean. And so, there's, there's scriptures that talk about that. It says, now, to, uh, now, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people you are members of God's family. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, he loves the church. He's planting churches all over um, Asia Minor. And Ephesus was one of those. And so he's telling the people, you are the family. Even though they're made up of Jews and Gentiles, people that used to not get along, now you're in one family. And Christ is the head of the church. And you belong to each other. He says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, and so the Apostle Paul has this idea that the church is going to go on forever and ever and it's only the first century. He understands that God has placed his seal and his purpose and his intent all into the church. It is is part of him. And you and I are part of that. And I think sometimes we miss the glory of the church. Sometimes we don't appreciate the church. And the church is made up of you and me. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're part of the church. You're part of the church. It's you. It's not them. It's you. You know, to, you know, and he says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. So every person has the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. And then they are expressing that in different ways to other people. Now, when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're expressing good things. You're expressing love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But when we get into the flesh, we can express different things. And that's what was happening in the Corinthian church. They were expressing different things other than the Spirit. They were expressing themselves, and so there was a schism there. But what I like about this verse here, it says that God is still working in the church today. It's his main uh, vehicle of reaching the world for Christ. It's the church. 
Don't ever think that you don't need the church. We need the church as much as we need oxygen to breathe. You and I need the church. We can say, oh, I don't really, you know, I love Jesus, but I I don't like the church. I don't need the church. I'm just going to love Jesus and follow Jesus myself. I don't need anybody else. You know what? That's an oxymoron because you can't exist as a Christian really without the church. You can't be healthy without the church. You can't understand and be healed and be made whole and understand who you are and what God has designed you to be without the church. That's the way God set it up. But a lot of us have deceived ourselves that, well, I don't really need the church. You know what's so special about the church? Is that it's the same as it was in the first century. Now, there are some people that are cessationists. That means that the church's gifts no longer are for today like they were in the early church. And there's people that believe that. And highly respected people, people that I, I respect and commentaries that I read. Warren Worksby is one of them. I was reading a commentary on First chap- in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he just basically said, you know, these gifts are no longer for today. And I said, really? We need all the gifts. It says right here, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. God is going to be working. But then I read further, I read some other commentaries. John Piper, who is also very conservative evangelical. And he says that he respects people who find the argument that there is no evidence that the gifts aren't for today, but he can't agree with it. Because the Bible says the gifts are for today. J.R. Packer, who's also conservative evangelical, said the gifts are available for the church today just as they were for the first century. So even though you have cessationists, and then on the other side you have sensationals, right? The Pentecostals. Some people feel like, oh, they're always talking about the gifts, they're always prophesying, they're always speaking in tongues, they're always doing all these demonstrations of the Spirit. And I'm not sure that's for real. And so you have one extreme and then the other extreme, and then some people just throw their hands up, I don't know what I believe. Well, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that God wants us to be a church that is full of the Word of God and then full of power. And the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be evident around us. They are. God hasn't stopped working through the gifts of the Spirit. You can't, show, you can't prove that in the Bible. Well, some people say, well, yes, but the, because the church is here today, the, no longer, the gifts are no longer needed. The gifts are for the church. Well, because the Bible, we have the full canon of Scripture, we no longer need the gifts of the Spirit. Are you kidding me? How boring and dead would it be if we didn't have the Spirit of God living in us and working through people with special gifts that are given by God to reach people? What would happen if there was no Billy Graham who had the gift of evangelism, right? The guy had the gift of evangelism. You could see it. Thousands of people would come to Christ because he had the gift of evangelism. And then some cessationists say, well, okay, I believe in that gift, but I don't believe in the other gift. Really? How can you figure that out in the Bible? It's not there. So we need, we need the gifts of the Spirit, we need the Word of God, and we need to respect one another. And so that's why I say, even if somebody 
is a sensationist. They don't believe that gifts are for today. A lot of times they're operating with the gifts because they're great teachers, they're great pastors, they're great leaders. They have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in them. And so you have to respect all people. Why, why does God give the gifts of the Spirit like that? Well, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. His intent was through the church, God's wisdom would be made known to people, and then it would also be made known to the world. Because, you know, just like our DR team went to the Dominican Republic, 19 people went there, and they shared the gospel, and we're going to hear about, you know, over 100 people made professions of faith for Jesus Christ. Why? Because God was working through the body of Christ. God was working through the church, sending them on a mission to do something that God had called them to do, and then God began to work through the church. His intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. So today I want to talk about the uniqueness of our church. What is the uniqueness of our church? And I wanted to use this pronoun you and kind of do a play on words, uniqueness of our church. Uniqueness is the quality of being particularly remarkable, special, or unusual. Talk to your person next to you and tell them you are remarkable, special, and unusual. (laughs) Remarkable, special, and unusual. All right, you're, you're doing that unusual a little bit too much. Okay, hold back, hold back. You are so unusual. Yeah. See, these verses, when we talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about you and me. And we are all a bit unusual. But together, we're really unusual. When, you, when we get together and God uses us together, and uses the strengths that we each have and the resources that we bring and the things that God wants us to do, God, we can do so much more than if we were just on our own. God has that ability. That's why the church, God has called the church to work together, to love each other, and to build each other up. You know, I love that the church is called a family, and I love that the church is called the body of Christ. You know, he gives, he he uses that word family because of the capacity that we have to care for one another and to help each other. You know, one of the comforts that we have of knowing, you know, like our children, we have uh, three grandchildren, and uh, my daughter and her husband, they had to go back to uh, Australia on Friday, and um, we dropped them off at the airport, and then we got a text a little bit later and uh, said, Michaela, that's their middle one, who's uh, eight years old, or how old? Eight years old. She lost it as soon as she walked. As soon as she walked through the doors of the airport, she just burst out crying. I love America. Why do we have to live in Australia? <laughs> you know, and you know, it just breaks our heart. You know, and and then we and th- they all started crying too. And then, and then uh, we come back, and you know, we're wa- you know, we go shopping the next day in Costco, and we're going through the thing, and all of a sudden, I turn back and. Lori's crying, and I, I, I put her up, and then she makes me cry. We, we miss them already, you know. Like you miss people, because you love people, you miss them. And it takes, it's, 
it's painful when you love people and then all of a sudden they're gone. And, uh, but you know what the comfort is? Is that they're going back to a family of God in Australia. And they have grandparents and people that act like grandparents and parents and uncles and cousins and friends that will minister to them and help them. And, and, I, and I, said to, I said to them, I said, you know, the comfort is this. I believe your church is going to help you get through the separation with us. And I know my church helps me get through the separation from you. Because the relationships that we have here, they comfort me. They encourage me. They help me to say, you know, this church, I love this family of believers, and this is a family. Now, my immediate family may not, I don't have anybody from my immediate family here in, in this church except my wife, Lori, which I'm glad she's got me. You know, but <clears throat> the rest of that, you know, they've, they found other churches to go to. And so, but it's, it's where God has called them. It's what God, and, and you rejoice in that. But there is something special about the family of God. And it says, the, the scripture says, now you are the body of Christ and each one is a part of it. And so he uses this other principle, not only as a family, but he also uses this term as the body of Christ. And I, I just want to take a little time to talk about that today. The body of Christ. Do you know that the church is the hands, the feet, the heart, the eyes, the ears, the mouth of Jesus in this world? That's who we are. Wow, what a high calling. What a tremendous calling. Not just one person, but together, that's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. And it's amazing when you go on a missions trip and then God does something. Or you go on a retreat, a church retreat. And this is the reason why we do church retreats is because... And if you're thinking about, if you're kind of on the edge, should I go to the church retreat? I don't know if I should go to the church retreat. Go to the church retreat. Why? Because you spend time together with people and you get to know them over two or three days, then you wouldn't just know them just on a Sunday at, for two hours. If you can go on the church retreat, go on the church retreat. If you go on a mission trip, go on a mission trip. If you can come and help at VBS for a week, do it. Why? Because what we do is we work together, we see the we see how God works through each of us together to do God's will together. And it's a special part of the body of Christ. You begin to see the eyes, the ears, the hands, the heart, the feet of Jesus working. It says there are different, and he goes on to say this. He says in, in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, 12, chapter 12, verse 4 through 7, there are different kinds of gifts, and the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now this is really interesting because... Sometimes we think that God has to work the same way that he's working in my life. And that's just not the way it's going to be. You know, nobody's going to preach like me. Why? Because I just have a, I have a gift mix. And I actually like other preachers than me. I'm sure you do too. Uh, so, so, but they have a different gift mix, right? Like I have a gift of... Um, 
of teaching and being a pastor, exhortation and mercy. So a lot of my, my teaching will be about emotional healing. It'll be about discipleship. It'll be about caring for one another. It'll be about relationships. That's just who I am. That's how God has made me. Then you have somebody else that has uh, the gift of teaching and is a pastor, and they are visionary leadership. They're like, like they rally everybody to get going and go, 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 you know, and it's, it's inspiring. It can be very inspiring. And so there's all different kind of gift mix, but it's the same Lord. It's the same way that God is working and moving in a powerful way. And, you know, God places different people in the body of Christ, you know. Just different things happen in a church that just happen in a family. That's a great example here. Pastor Peter called out again. So, but God is working, and that's the uniqueness of it. Now, to one, there is, it goes on to say this. If you have your Bibles and, and you have it in, in verse, uh, it continues on here. I don't have it up here. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To other, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one as He determines. It God determines and deposits different gifts and abilities and talents in people's lives to be used for his glory and for the common good of other people. That's why the church is so important. Because I want to tell you, my family of origin, I could not get what I needed in my life to become the man that God wanted me to be without brothers and sisters speaking into my life. I just couldn't have done that. I didn't come from a healthy nuclear family. Okay, And even if I did, there's still missing parts in my life. We need the body of Christ. We need people that have wisdom, that have knowledge, that can pray for emotional healing, that can have a word from God for us that we need at the moment to help us to continue on to the next thing that God wants us to do or what he wants to do in our lives. It is so important. The body of Christ, the gifts of the Spirit, and using them for each other is so important. So when we withhold and say, you know, I just, I don't feel a part of things. Uh, you know, I just, you know, that is not of God. I want to tell you that right now. That is probably more demonic than it is the Holy Spirit. When you're feeling, I don't belong, I should leave, they don't love me, and you keep on moving back and further and further away from the body of Christ, that is not the Holy Spirit working. I want to tell you that right now. But that's the enemy's plan, is to separate you away from the body of Christ. Because on your own, you're going to be missing the very things that you need to find healing, wholeness, purpose, and direction for your life. You need the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ. You need the Spirit at work and God speaking in you through different people. 
See, the Corinthian church was a struggling church. You know, Paul lists nine gifts. There's actually, in the Bible, there's 21 to 24 different gifts that are given in the Scripture through other passages in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Peter chapter 4. There's different gifts that are given and mentioned within the, in the Scripture. They're all important, and they're distributed to different people. Well, you say, well, Pastor L, I don't know what my gifts are. You know how you discover your gifts? You begin by serving. Try teaching a Sunday school. If you don't have the gift, you'll know it. If you have the gift, you might wish you didn't. (laughs) But you have the gift. The gifts are there. God wants to use you. Some people have the gift of helps. They just are so helpful. You know, I I know somebody, I think I've even mentioned this before. I know Richard Wong, he has the gift of helps. You know why? Because every time there's a need, hey, can I help? Can I I help over here? And what a blessing to the body of Christ to, to have the gift of helps. Now, sometimes people don't say, you know, praying, God, give me the gift of helps. Who prays that? They'll say, I want the gift of healing. I want the gift of knowledge and wisdom. The gift of helps. But God distributes the gifts of helps. He also has a lot of wisdom and insight. But different people in our church, they have different gifts, and you'll notice them. If you talk with them, if you minister to them, uh, with them, or been on a mission trip with them, they have different gifts. And we, we need to appreciate one another. And, you know, the, the Apostle Paul, he goes on to say that the Corinthian church didn't appreciate it. They were just about themselves. They were just focused so much in on themselves that they forgot to appreciate one another. And so Paul uses this illustration. He says, you know, if, if the body of Christ, if the church is the body of Christ, and one part is a hand, and one part is a foot, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Or the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Of course you need. You need eye-hand coordination, right? You need that in any type of sport, any type of physical uh, activity, any type of playing an instrument. You need eye-hand coordination. And so in the body of Christ, there needs to be coordination. I'll never forget an incident that happened. Uh, you know, God brings quirky people into the church all the time. Quirky people. And... Uh, this is one of the people that God brought into our church. Now, this isn't. Anybody know who this is? Newman. <laughs> this is Newman on Seinfeld, but we had a guy that looked just like Newman. And uh, this was before Newman was created because this was back 40 years ago, but I thought about it. Did, doesn't Jimmy B look like Newman? Yeah, Jimmy B looks like Newman. I'm not going to use his full name because this is going to be on the Internet. But Jimmy B, I think he since has passed away. Uh, but Jimmy B... Uh, came into our church, and I was 18. I was in the youth group. I was one of the leaders in the youth group. And uh, Jimmy B. came there, and uh, he came into our church, and it, it was something about him. Uh, he was just so different. He was, you know, large, very large, and he didn't like to take a bath. And so you could smell Jimmy B. when he was coming. The other thing is he liked to hug people. And he especially liked to hug the young girls, people like Lori. And so we would have a greeting time in our fellowship, and Jimmy B would be all over the girls. And they'd be going, oh, you know, like, 
um, yeah, we had to, you know, so we tried to talk to him about it, and, you know, nothing, you know, Jimmy B. still was a part of the church. And the Lord called me into Bible school, and I went away, and I uh, got into ministry, and I, so I came back to visit my church. It was about six years later, and I saw Jimmy B. And I couldn't believe what Jimmy B. looked like now and, and how he smelled. And, you know, the other thing that Jimmy B. did, <laughs> I forgot to tell you this, he would take his glasses, and he would go, and lick them. And it was just a nervous habit that he had when he was talking to you. So he was a real character. And you know what? The pastor and some of the leaders of the church, they just brought Jimmy B. into their confidence and uh, invested in his life, into Jimmy B.'s life. And because uh, I, I came and I saw, I saw the pastor, who was my pastor, and I said, what happened to Jimmy B.? I mean, he's like a different person. And he goes, well, we, we discipled him. Uh, and I said, wow, that is really a change. Because Jimmy B. was now running the audio. He was doing the uh, audiovisual of the church. He was ushering. He even sang a duet with the pastor. And uh, what they found out was Jimmy B. was from a very abusive family. He grew up in a single-parent home. He hardly had any food in his home. And he was in one of the worst situations possible. And the pastor went and visited his home. And then he got other people together that took Jimmy B. in and discipled him. And Jimmy B. discovered his identity in Christ. He, he was also uh, went through some sort of deliverance and emotional healing because he was so traumatized from his past abuse. And God healed Jimmy, restored Jimmy, and he became a different person. That's the power of the body of Christ at work, even in a local church, like as small as ours. My church wasn't much larger than this. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a big church. God uses that. God has called us as a church to, be, to do great things. The church is called to do greater things than Jesus did. You know, in John 14, 12, it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus promised that the church together could do greater things than if Jesus was here on earth by himself. And together, we see that happening all over the world. And we should see it in our church, too. The church is the pillar and foundation of the truth to a hurting world. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing these instructions to you. This is what Paul says. If I'm delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household or God's family, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The, the church is entrusted with the truth of God's word. And so it's not just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's the scripture. It's the teaching. It's the doctrine that helps us to stay focused and on God's path for our lives. And then the church is called to fulfill the greatest commandments and the greatest commission. It doesn't say the good commandments. It doesn't say the good commission. It says the great, the greatest commandments, the greatest commission that we could ever have in our lives is to go and make disciples, to love other people 
and to love God with our whole heart and to love other people. That is what God has called everyone to, each of us a part of it. So what's the action steps to be part of our unique church? What would be the action steps for that? And one of them is this. First, appreciate the church. That means appreciate the people around you. Look around. The, look around. Appreciate the people around here. Everybody comes from different places. Good to have Christina back. Yay. Although she's not a part of us, she is a part of us. You know, just when people come back and, uh, and you know, we need to appreciate people. We need to appreciate uh, the church, what God has called us to be. Could we be a better church? Yes. Could we be a greater church? Yes. But I want to tell you, God is doing some good things in our church. Don't just criticize the church. Don't complain about the church. You are the church. You're going to complain about somebody, be complain about yourself. What am I that I'm not lacking? What am I doing? What am I not doing or not becoming that would be hindering our church? Appreciate the church. Don't get down on it. Appreciate it. Second one, stay connected to Christ and to others. This is a key. The church isn't just about coming to church. It's being connected to Christ and then connected in relationships to other people. So important. So important for us to be able to do that. And so we have to work on that. You know, it's, you know, we can be disconnected. How many people, you know, you have relatives you haven't even talked to in years? Disconnected, right? But there's people in our church that we need to start talking to more. Find out each other's stories. Stay connected to Christ and to each other. And discover your part and your gifts and your way of helping and serving. Discover what God wants you to do, how he wants to use you in the church. And as you do that, you, you will grow, you'll discover your gifts. The power of God would be manifested more in your life. And then the church is benefited from it because the power manifested in your life is for the common good. It's for other people. So I want to encourage you with that. Think about that. Think about that this week. Lord, how do you want to use me? How do you want to uh, work in my life? And then how can I draw closer to you and stay connected to you so that I could be a blessing to the rest of the body of Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today, Lord. Uh, We thank you for just the way that you have designed the church. Bless the church with the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Then distributed gifts over 20 different gifts and probably multiple combinations of different gifts that you've given to different people. And all included with their personalities and their makeup and their differences, Lord. And then you call us together as one family. Lord, it is remarkable. It is outstanding. It is unusual. But we thank you, Lord, that we're part of it. Lord, would you give us a higher capacity to love one another? a greater capacity to appreciate the church that you've called us to be a part of. And Lord, that you would call us to work together. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this church with two congregations. We thank you even for the picture that's in the foyer today that celebrates the beauty of our church, of two congregations. 
working together and then sometimes working side by side in different areas. And Lord, how you've blended us together to have a model of leadership that is a team model of leadership. Lord, we thank you. These are all unique things that you've done in our church. And Lord, I pray that you'll just continue to cause us to grow and develop and to have your vision and perspective for our church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please rise? I want to challenge you that um, with Pastor Al's message. Do you love and care for your church, for this local body of Christ? Um, I, I really love this local body of Christ. It's not, that, it's not that we're perfect. It's not that we agree with everything. In fact, there's a lot of things that uh, we may disagree with our brothers and sisters on. But uh, you, don't love them. you don't love somebody because you disagree on something. You love them for who they are as brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I want to share a really short and funny story. And uh, I, was, I was praying during the sermon whether or not I should share it. Uh, uh, but uh, it seems so relevant to the message <laughs> that it just happened yesterday. Uh, so I'm, I'm really tired today. And be- that's because yesterday I had a, lot of, I had a c- couple of the 7th and 8th graders come and sleep over my house. And I did not realize that my energy reserve after Bible quizzing practice was really, really low. So I was like trying to be a good host. And I was really tired. And I had this bad habit of playing with my wedding band, uh, my wedding ring, uh, and, you know, moving around on the fingers and stuff. And I was so tired that I dropped it. I didn't even know it. And, and much later into the night, I was like, where did it go? And, and I was sweating bullets at this time because I know I'm going to get yelled at very badly. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so so uh, we went to look for it, but... Uh, these young, the, the five young boys that were in my house, they, they helped to look for it. They, they helped me flip over the couch, look through the carpet and everything. And ultimately, they found the ring. I, I didn't find the ring. I, we were thinking about a replacement. Um, and, and, you know, if I were their age, I would have probably just stick with playing the games and, you know, kind of mess around and look for it a little bit. But it's such a small thing, but I, I really do appreciate it. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a family thing to do uh, because the ring didn't matter to them. It, it there's, it holds no value to them. It only holds value to meet Joanne and I. So um, uh, it's just, you know, when one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Do you, do you feel that, do you rejoice when your brothers and sisters are going through a great time? Do you suffer with them when they're going through a bad time? So that's something to think about. Sovereign plan, race of a chosen generation that will march through the land. All of creation is longing for your Oh God, let the 
together today. Uh, please stay for lunch, fellowship together. Uh, next week on Sunday, we do have a VBS planning time for those that will help us with VBS. It's just a one-hour meeting. We want to talk to you about what the lesson is going to be about, get you acclimated to what things we're going to be doing. And then the 29th, we're going to have another meeting on Saturday and one on Sunday. So it's real important. We need young people I went to a VBS. The whole thing was led by high school and college. The whole thing. And I went to Central Presbyterian and saw this whole thing. You know why? And it worked so well. Because if somebody that's 7 sees somebody that's 15 or 16 excited about God, they say, man, I want to do that. If somebody sees somebody 63 excited about God, they say, well, you know. 
you know, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be excited about God, but we need everybody to help us with this. This is like our local mission. First time we've done it. I think we've got over 30, you know, we do have over 30 kids. We're pushing 40 now. Uh, We need your help. Father, thank you that the body of Christ is so beautiful. Thank you for each person here, Lord. Thank you for the family that we have. I pray your blessing on each person here today. Father, we thank you for all the things you are doing, the things we can't even see that you're doing, and the things that we get to see, the changed lives that we get to see. So, Lord, have your way. Be glorified in our church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.